Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. Pastor Megan, through our worship services and podcasts and just about everything we do at St. Paul, we try to get a better understanding of who God is. I mean, so often God seems so impossibly expansive and complex. And at the very same time, God can feel entirely hidden and elusive. So time and time again, we use these gifts of scripture and community to delve into the mystery of God and try to develop a personal relationship with our Creator and Savior. These efforts can feel enlightening at times and frustrating at others. So we rely on our weekly worship to reset or refresh and encourage us on our spiritual journeys. 
That's where I think today's reading from the Gospel of John might be especially helpful for aligning our spiritual compasses towards Christ, wherever we might be on that journey. So here is the Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. So let's let these words from John settle in. Maybe even replay them a few times if you like, or read them from your personal Bible before continuing on to this little reflection. Have any of you ever wondered what the world looks like through the eyes of a baby? Infants are kind of well known for these large, round, curious eyes with which they look all around them and seem like they're trying to take in every single detail. Well, if you ever happen to find yourselves up at the Science Museum in Minnesota, there's an exhibit on child development where you can try on different glasses to see the world as a baby does at different stages of their life. This was developed by some uh, researchers in the UK a few years ago, a team of neurologists. So you can see how when a child is first born, the world is literally a blur. So if you're smiling at a newborn baby and it looks like they smile back, it really is just gas. <laughs> at four months, everything is still pretty much black and white. That's why babies often have these really bright, colorful toys, so that somewhere between four and six months, they can start to process those colors and see them. And then even the background of their lives is still kind of a blur until about seven months. So, according to this photo anyway, until they're seven months old, they don't really know that dad exists. <laughs> but then you get to one year old, and the world comes fully into focus. Many, many years of interdisciplinary study and research went into developing those photos and this idea, but when it comes down to it, we really will never know for sure what it is a baby sees because we have no way of surveying the baby population to see if we got it right. And of course, our own memories of infancy don't quite stretch back that far. Babies are actually just one example of how limited we are in our ability to see the world through someone else's eyes, whether that's a baby, a child, a teen, or an adult. Like, we'll never quite know if what I see as green is the same as what each of you might see as green. 
And I can't, for example, try on somebody else's prescription glasses and get their same depth perception and field of vision. How we take in and process that visual information is unique to all of us, and it can never be perfectly replicated. It's sort of like if you take a picture of a beautiful sunset, or you're on a vacation and you really want to capture a moment in a photo, it never quite comes out the exact way that you experienced it in that moment. And I think those same visual limitations and our ways of processing things in unique ways applies to our lives of faith as well. No one of us looks at God or understands God in quite the same way. Your relationship with Jesus will look very different from mine or your neighbor's or even your spouse's. Or even if you had a friend or a minister who taught you everything that they know about God or the Holy Spirit or what it means to be in a Christian community. Well, their experience of faith will never exactly be like your own. Because not only do we have a unique way of seeing and processing information, but we also have a unique way of assigning meaning to it. Meaning making is all about how we put those puzzle pieces of our lives together, like our backgrounds and skills and relationships and values. They all come together to tell a unique personal story about the universe. That's capital U, universe. Each person's faith is individual and irreplicable. Think, for example, about some of the biblical writers, like John, whose gospel we read today. John wrote his story of Jesus' life and ministry about 100 CE. And his version of the gospel narrative is so much different than that of Mark or Matthew or Luke. John constructs his narrative of faith very specific for and from his context. It was a time at which the Jewish Christian community was starting to branch out and really develop its own identity. And so he makes this point over and over again to show others that Jesus may be distinct from God and yet is still part of that God that they know. As readers of the Gospel of John, we might be able to learn a little bit about John's context. And we can make educated guesses about where he lived and what he valued, what his days were like. But we will never be able to see Jesus clearly through his eyes alone. If we tried to, Jesus would come out blurred for us, like the vision of a newborn baby. Unclear, out of focus, lacking vitality. But too often, that's what we as Christian people sometimes fall into doing, is that we rely on others to show us who God is and what faith looks like. We might read a passage of scripture and hear someone else interpret it in a sermon or in a hymn or a prayer, but that's oftentimes where our engagement with God stops. We walk out of here on Sundays wearing someone else's glasses of faith. And then we struggle to bring God into focus in the backgrounds of our own lives. And that gets frustrating and tiresome. So we get discouraged 
and question if this whole belief thing is really for us. I hear this sort of struggle most often with peers my own age. Because many of my friends grew up with grandparents or even parents who had such a strong faith. Like, some of my friends have grandmothers they described as just expressing this deep inner peace. Like they could trust all of their worries to Jesus and just believe that everything would be all right. Or I myself had a grandpa who could form these beautiful prayers out of seemingly thin air for any occasion, if it was just before family dinner or if it was after some tragic and tough event. And it's easy for us to see those faithful people and to want desperately what they have, to cultivate that deep personal relationship with Christ too. But unfortunately, longing for faith doesn't equivalent to cultivating it. And mimicking someone else's faith will never feel quite right, like wearing someone else's glasses. True faith, a relationship with God that is personal and full and vivacious, well, that kind of faith develops through your eyes alone. When it comes down to our beliefs and values, you are your own meaning maker. The Gospel of John gives us a glimpse into the power and the potential of personal faith. Like in this story that we read today, John the Baptist points Jesus out to two of his own disciples. And he explains to them that this is the Messiah that he's been telling them all about for years. And so the disciples go to see for themselves. They start to follow Jesus. And almost immediately, Jesus stops and asks them, what are you looking for? And the disciples reply, where are you staying? That's when Jesus offers up this invitation to them, and I would argue to all of us. Jesus says, come and see. Stay with me. Remain with me. Pursue me. Come and see for yourselves. That is how you come to know God. I pray we can all take home these two phrases from scripture and wrestle with them a little bit this week. That first one, what are you looking for? What are the most unsettled parts of you longing to discover? What is your deep why for cultivating faith? What are you looking for? And the second phrase from today's scripture, come and see. This is a personal, unconditional invitation that Christ offers to each and every one of us. Like the disciples, you too can act on your curiosity to know Jesus by taking those personal steps to follow him. After all, it's not until we stop trying to squint at Jesus through someone else's eyes and start looking at him through our own eyes that we develop a genuine, life-changing faith. That invitation from Jesus to follow him and know him is open to every one of us. No one is ever too late or too far behind.
Instead, Christ prompts each of us with these words. What are you looking for? Come and see. Amen. down from a broken sky, traced out by the city lights, my world from a mile high, best seat in the house tonight, touch down on the cold black top, hold on for the sudden stop, breathe in the familiar shock of confusion and chaos, all those
And now let's pray those words Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Dear friends, in those moments when God seems blurry or out of sight in your life, I invite you to pause and wonder, am I trying too hard to see God through someone else's eyes? Am I relying too heavily on someone else's spiritual glasses to bring God into focus? And then I invite you to reorient yourself with those simple words of Jesus. What are you looking for? Come and see. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, may the God of glory dwell in you richly and shine brightly on your path. And the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be upon you and remain with you always. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.